When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Friday Browns Dolphins Big Preview Show. We have a packed podcast for you. It's going to start here. Uh, Mary Kate Cabot and Ashley Bastock are here. We're going to give you some things you need to know for Sunday's game. Armando Salguero will join us to tell us all about the Dolphins. Then Doug Maurice and Irie Harris will jump on. We'll do prop bets. We'll do game picks. And in between, Lance Reisland will give us his scouting report on the Dolphins. So let's get to it. Uh, things that people need to know for this game on Sunday. Mary Kay, get us started. You know, I just cannot stop thinking about what I think Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney are going to do in this football game. I think it lends itself uh, to those guys being game wreckers in this game. I don't think that... The, the Dolphins have faced the likes of a Miles Garrett or a Jadavian Clowney. And uh, Jadavian, I think, is kind of a little bit of a sleeping giant because he's been hurt so much this season. Uh, you know, I think he's just kind of ready to really kind of break out. So if they do chip and double team Miles, which I expect them to do, it could be an opportunity uh, for Jadavian uh, to get some things done from a rush standpoint and I just, I just think that they're going to be uh, home wreckers for the uh, for the Dolphins in their in their home stadium, uh, ruin their three game winning streak, ruin all this Super Bowl talk that everybody's got going on. Um, you know, Miles has had four and a half sacks in his last three games. He's hitting his stride. He's feeling better. And in my mind, this is going to be a key to the game. They, they're going to give those guys in the back end. Uh, they're going to make their jobs a lot easier. They're going to get pressure, even though Tua gets the ball out quickly. They're going to pressure him. They're going to make him work for whatever he gets. Yeah, Ashley, Miles has been playing really well. And the only thing I can think of that can stop him is like, will he just get tired because it's so hot? I, I just think he's he's been an absolute monster recently. Yeah, I mean, four and a half sacks or whatever it is over these last three games. I mean, he's really, I think post-car accident now finding his groove and obviously like we'll we'll hear from him on Friday probably most likely that's typically the talking schedule uh in a game week but you know the last time we heard from him before the Bengals game I think it was or it was a couple times ago that we heard from him because he talked after the game um he he mentioned it seemed like that maybe he did think he tried to come back a bit too soon after that car accident, only missing that game against the Falcons, just one game he sat out. So I do think he he is kind of finding a groove, but I do think throughout Miles Garrett's career, and especially post-2020, you know, when he had COVID, the him getting tired throughout games has kind of been a question or, or wearing down as the season kind of goes on. So I do think, you know, that that is definitely going to be a factor. You know, we had Amari Cooper, a Miami native, talking about that South Florida heat today. So I wouldn't discount that, but, you know, he has been playing so well recently. This is definitely a chance to build on that. And I think maybe with how good this Dolphins passing game has been, stopping it at the front of this defense might be the way to go. 
All right, Ashley, why don't you give us something that, that people need to know for this game? Well, I think people just need to know how lethal this Dolphins receiving unit has been so far. Um, and it's not just what I'm really thinking about, what people should know is something that Joe Woods said today. It's not just that a guy like Terry Kill is fast. It's also that he's quick. And I think that's an important distinction to make. It's not just that he's going to beat you on vertical plays. It's that he's going to get the ball in space and could turn, you know, a little 10 yard pass into 70 yards if you don't wrap him up. And I think it's just kind of important to remember that this is a chance for the defense to show like one area, Dan, I know you wrote about, you know, some of the other problems that have been fixed, but in particular, I think some of those missed tackles where guys weren't using their arms and weren't wrapping opposing players up. This is a chance to really show that's fixed because he's going to expose it if it's not given his quickness. Yeah, Mary Kay, and I think the thing about Tyree Kill that gets lost sometimes, and I know you asked Joe Woods about this uh, on Thursday. I asked Greg Newsom about it. It's not just that he's fast. There's a lot of fast guys. He's a great route runner. He tracks the football. He's got good hands. I mean, there's just so many things that make him difficult. And, oh, yeah, he's got world-class sprinter speed. Yeah, it's everything. I mean, you can have amazing speed. And if you don't have all of those other things, including sensational hands, which we know he has, then it's just, it doesn't matter that much. I mean, you've got to be able to go make spectacular acrobatic catches that so many other guys cannot make. You have to be really reliable. You have to be there for your guy. Uh, and, and you just have to do almost superhuman things. And we've seen that. Uh, with Tyreek. And he's actually uh, even more productive right now than he was with Patrick. Everybody wondered, what would he be like without Patrick Mahomes? He is having an even better season. Maybe he's got something to prove. Maybe he wanted everybody to know that, no, this wasn't just Patrick. It's me. It is me. I mean, they're both succeeding without each other. Uh, but, you know, there might be a little bit of that element of, hey, you know, I'm a superstar in my own right with Tyreek. And as you mentioned, it's because of all the different things that he can do, that he can run after catch, that he's tough, even though he's not huge. He's, uh, you know, he's just got those terrific, terrific hands. He's got great vision. He can get open um, in ways that most people can't. And, and then you add that with the blazing speed and it's just a dynamite package. I'm just going to throw out there for my thing to know is Nick Chubb. I think we may end up talking about Nick Chubb during the prop bets a little bit too, but I, I feel like this could be a game where the Browns, you know, Alex Van Pelt kind of downplayed it a little bit on Thursday, but I, I remember that Minnesota game a couple years ago where we all went into it thinking, oh, this is going to be a shootout. There's going to be a ton of points. And both teams just came out and possessed the ball like crazy. Now, I don't think Miami's going to do that, but Kevin Stefanski, when he wants to control the clock, when he wants to possess the football, generally does a pretty good job of it. If he wants to put together an eight-minute drive, he'll put together an eight-minute drive. And I think he's going to look at this Dolphins defense and say, I can get whatever I want on the ground with this team. And so to me, I, I think the thing I, maybe this thing I'm looking for, possession and using Nick Chubb to kind of control possession and keep that Miami offense off the field. You know what, Dan, it's interesting that you should say that because I, that's how I've been feeling this whole week, too. And I, I asked Nick about that uh, yesterday. You know, we've been asking other guys about that. 
I, I also asked, um, you know, Alex Van Pelt today about that. I, I asked him about the fact that you got, do you guys feel like you need to start fast, score big, you know, and just like go big or go home with the points thing. And, and he said, yes. And then somebody followed up and said, you know, do you need to possess the ball? And, you know, is that going to be, uh, you know, a big part of the game plan? And he was more going down the, no, we need to score points. Like we need to aggressively score points. But I really do believe uh, that that they are going to do whatever they can to keep the ball away from Tyreek and Jalen Waddle and Tua, and they're going to try to have it be more of a, you know, a, a Cleveland Browns time of possession, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt kind of game. I, I really think that that is going to have to be the way to go. I mean, actually, I can see a world where the Browns defer and they get the ball with like five minutes left in the second quarter and the Dolphins don't see the ball until there's like seven or eight minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I'm thinking back to after the Bengals game and what we talked about. It's like, this has kind of been who the Browns are for better and worse in a lot of ways because it's like, they do really well when they get an early lead because they do really well on that first scripted drive, right? And what happens is if they get behind, it's almost like this year we kind of see the panic set in a little bit. And you can't run the ball as much if it's late in the game and you're behind because you're trying to come back and you're trying to preserve time. But I think if they get an early lead, what they want to do is then control that time of possession. And I think, you know, too, when it comes to defensively, how you want to stop these receivers up front by maybe putting pressure on Tua and maybe that's the best way to stop them. Another good way to stop them is not letting Miami have the ball at all and (laughs) controlling that time of possession. Uh, And I do think that's going to be, you know, kind of an underlooked factor in this game. And I do think, like Mary Kay said, it's going to be really important that the Browns get an early lead because that's when they can do that. And that's when they have the freedom to be able to do that and try to control the clock that way. Okay, we're just getting started here on our Browns-Dolphins preview pod. We're going to take a break. On the other side, Armando Salguero will join us to tell us all about the Dolphins. Then we'll do our prop bets. Lance Ryson will give us his Dolphins scouting report. And we'll make our game picks as well at the very end of the podcast. Like I said, just getting started. Stick around. Uh, Coming up next, like I said, Armando Salguero. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We're happy to welcome on senior NFL writer for OutKick, Armando Salguero. Armando, thanks for joining us. Dan, Mary Kay, good to be here with you. Yeah, thanks so much for this, Armando. Uh, you know, of course, we want to get started with the very obvious, with what is going on down there with, with Tua and how well he's playing and those two amazing receivers, Tyreek and Jalen. So give us the overview. Ah, so you want Super Bowl talk. Okay, <laughs> so, and that's what it's starting to be in South Florida because really the the team has surprised a lot of people, especially on offense. And yes, Tua has uh, thrust himself into the forefront of, you know, great quarterback play so far this year. Uh, you know, I just did a um, an outkick 360 radio show in which there was talk of MVP to a, so uh, it's a big deal. It's really a huge improvement from what has happened the last couple of years. And you mentioned it, the two wide receivers, Jalen Waddle and more specific, you know, specifically Tyree kill 
are, are the reasons that the quarterback all of a sudden is is elite because they are elite. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. When you when you look at Tua, obviously he's playing so differently. Is it that simple? Just that he has those two receivers? It's not that simple. Look, so the last couple of years under Brian Flores, there was a definite disconnect between him and Tua. I'm not sure that Flores really uh, embraced the idea of Tua Tungavailoa as the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And the reason I'm not sure is because they tried to trade for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> so, uh, and in fact, we're the only team that was really in the hunt or the finalists to trade for Deshaun Watson last year at the trade deadline. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen. And the rest is history with Deshaun Watson to Cleveland. But throughout that whole process, it was pretty clear and pretty public that it was the Dolphins and Watson. And meanwhile, Tua Tungavailoa was their starting quarterback. And the guy who really was the, the, the person that wanted that to happen as far as Watson to Miami was the head coach, Brian Flores. So he was fired after the season. They bring in Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel brings in the Kyle Shanahan system. Then the general manager brings in Tyreek Hill and, you know, Teron Armstead at the left tackle and a new running game. And now all of a sudden they've got weapons around Tua and now all of a sudden Tua's good. So it's more than just the two wide receivers. It's a, it's a whole dynamic of all the parts fitting together for Tua. So with, with Tyreek on, on such a tear, obviously on pace uh, to eclipse 2,000 yards, uh, 76 receptions, and all the things that he's been able to do, um, you know, I think a lot of people wondered, would he be as good as he was with, with Patrick? And obviously he is. So what is he doing so well? Why is it going so well? And, and what do you think of the matchup of these receivers against the Browns DBs? Yeah, well, think of this. He's better than he was with Patrick Mahomes. And I don't know why, because I personally speaking, I think Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Tua Tagovailoa. There's no reason uh, why the results that Tyreek Hill is getting now shouldn't have been happening previously. And that's not to say that Tyreek Hill wasn't really good for the Kansas City Chiefs. He played six seasons and was six-time Pro Bowler. So uh, the guy's good. But for some reason, teams just address it differently now. You saw the last couple of years, um, teams would not allow the Chiefs to throw deep. They, they played with a too-high safety and it was, you're going to be patient and throw underneath, and that's how you're going to get down the field if you're going to do that. They haven't fit, I don't know. It's like they haven't figured that out with the Dolphins that much. And what you see a lot is Tyreek Hill down the field, and there's no one in the picture. Or there's, you know, until Tua maybe underthrows him, and he's waiting for the ball, and then two guys show up, and, of course, they ram into him, and there's the flag. 
it, it's it's uncanny how open he has been able to get in this Dolphins offense. And obviously that has to do a little bit with the scheme. That has to do with the fact that Jalen Waddle is a problem too. And Mike Kosicki is a problem too. But if I'm a defensive coach, and I know that Bill Belichick addressed it this way, the guy I want to stop before anyone else is Tyreek Hill. So you mentioned that scheme and Mike McDaniel, a guy who uh, actually was here in Cleveland all the way back in 2014 when Kyle Shanahan was here and uh, the Johnny Manziel years. What sort of what sort of fresh air has he brought to that team? It does feel just so different. And you mentioned the Brian Flores uh, situation and, and him maybe not being all in on Tua. So, so what has Mike McDaniel brought? He's a kook. Uh, he really <laughs> is. I mean, he's just so, so different. And I'm not – first of all, he looks different, right? He looks like he's a chemistry, you know, professor. Uh, he went to Yale. He's very smart. Um, but he's he's just unorthodox. So against the Bears last week, a game that the Dolphins won, I think, 35-32, they're obviously succeeding on offense, but the Bears are answering. And the reason that they're answering is because Justin Fields is just uh, slicing and dicing up that defense, running the football. At one point, Justin Fields gains like 15 yards on a run, of course, and he goes out of bounds at the Dolphins' sideline. Well, Mike McDaniel tells him, stop that. Don't (laughs) do that anymore. And, of course, you know, that is caught by the television cameras, and it was a funny moment. Mike McDaniel was asked about it this week and he was like, I was just a little frustrated that I was instructing him and he wasn't taking my coaching very well. He, he refused to stop gashing us. So, you know, that's kind of endearing. It it really is. When I talked to him um, during training camp, he was talking about how his goal is to be a hall of fame head coach. He had not coached an NFL game yet as a head coach. This is his first NFL job as a head coach, and he's talking about being a Hall of Fame head coach. And I said that to him, and he goes, you got to have a vision for it. If you don't talk about it, if you don't see it as a possibility, if you don't put it out there, it's probably not going to (laughs) happen. And so you can't help but kind of root for guys like that. And you know what? Uh, your old friend, Jacoby Brissett, is coming back to Miami this weekend. So just wondering, you know, we know so much about the Miami offense, and that's all we're kind of talking about up here. But we need to know a little bit more about this Miami defense. What do you think they're going to be able to do against, you know, Jacoby and Amari, uh, you know, that connection? And then also, of course, Nick Chubb and um, and Kareem Hunt. So what what's the outlook there? Yeah, that's a problem for the Dolphins. Um, And the reason it's a problem, we mentioned how the offense on the Miami Dolphins kind of has put it all together because Mike McDaniel comes from the Kyle Shanahan system in San Francisco and so forth, and they've got that scheme going and they've got a lot of talent. The Dolphins, you got to understand, fired – a defensive-minded head coach. 
the guy that used to call the defensive plays for the New England Patriots, the guy that was calling the defensive plays for the Patriots on the day that they beat the Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl and held them to three points. So for all the improvement that the offense has made under McDaniel, the defense minus Brian Flores has taken a step back. And that is obvious to anyone with eyes. And part of that is injuries. Part of that is they don't get to the passer very well. Part of that is, um, I don't know, they don't have Flores. They certainly don't have the discipline that they had previously. And, by the way, Josh Boyer was Flores' defensive coordinator, and he remains the defensive coordinator. But, again, it's the Flores... Uh, absence that kind of glows in neon. I would say this to you, uh, Jacoby Brissett, his, one of his many gifts is he doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't have to worry with the Dolphins defense. <laughs> they don't turn the ball over and they haven't. That's one of the reasons that they went out and got Bradley Chubb at the trade deadline. They need to do more. They, they've been, you know, I don't want to say victims, but they've given up a lot of yards. The Dolphins had a great 21-point uh, comeback against the Ravens in which they won something like 42 to 35, and everybody was focused on the 42. Let's remember they gave up 35, and they gave up 32 last week to Chicago. They've given up a lot of yards and a lot of points this year. So speaking of Chubb, um, how much impact can he actually make? Can can that one player make for this Dolphins defense? Yeah, he he's interesting because he speaks to a lot of things, right? Um, he's going to be expected to be the closer uh, when you're, you know, holding a three-point, a six-point lead with two minutes, three minutes to play, and the other team has to drive. He better pick up that big sack or that strip sack because he knows that he's in a passing down situation. Kind of like what Von Miller was last year for the Rams, what he is this year for the Bills. He needs to be that guy for the Dolphins. The Dolphins haven't had that guy. And they they went all in. They gave up a first-round draft pick, a third-round draft pick. They paid him. They got an extension. $64 million guaranteed. So he needs to be that piece that kind of turns that middling defense right now into a playoff defense. I just have one more question for you, Armando. While we are on the subject of edge rushers and the havoc they can wreak, who is going to handle Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney? Because I think those two guys are going to be a, an enormous key to this game. Huge problem for the Dolphins. No one is going to handle Miles Garrett. No one. It's going to be like two, maybe three guys, maybe a chip and a double team, which is three guys. So, and that that puts the onus on Clowney, right? Mm -hmm. um, I haven't seen a lot from you guys. Know know better because you see them every every week. I, I don't hear a lot about Clowney just going off on people. So this would be a game where against an okay offensive line, okay offensive line, mm -hmm. uh, 
Clowney should do major damage. And Miles Garrett should do damage because he's going to be treated like he's always treated. And the way he's always treated is he's the guy on defense. So we worry about him. He's the game wrecker. Uh, the 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 Browns have two potential game wreckers. The other guys got got to do his work. All right, Armando, before we let you go, do you have a pick for Sunday? Yeah, uh, it's going to be warm. It's going to be, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure that you guys will notice that the Browns will be on the sideline in the sun. Everybody seems to, like, not know this until they get there. And it's like, oh, they're putting the visiting team in the sun while the Dolphins are in the shade. How did that happen? <laughs> well, that's how it's meant to happen. And so mm-hmm. the Dolphins expect to, you know, have a, a fourth quarter advantage because of that. I just I, look, I just think that um, the Dolphins probably are a little bit more complete right now. I wouldn't be saying that if Deshaun Watson was starting for the Cleveland Browns. But for this week, I think the Dolphins are probably a little bit more complete team. And then where can everyone find your work? So uh, outkick.com. It's pretty simple. And yeah, and and I'll see you guys in Houston on December 4th. Oh, yes. (laughs) Also be there. So yeah, definitely. Uh, Well, Armando, thank you so much for joining us today. You were very helpful and we really appreciate all the great information. Thank you. Armando Salguero, uh, senior NFL writer for OutKick. Uh, We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to do some prop bets and make our game picks uh, as well for this one. Armando, thanks for the time. Hey, everybody, real quick before we get to prop bets and picks, I want to give you a heads up. We had a little bit of an audio issue Uh, I'm not sure where it happened, but you're going to hear Doug's audio. It's going to sound a little bit funky. Uh, It was probably something I should have caught while we were recording, but it sounded okay, kind of in the process of recording. And then as I was listening back, I had to do a little bit of editing. So uh, I apologize that Doug's audio sounds a little bit funky throughout this, but uh, you're not going to lose a whole lot because I think we salvaged most of it. Okay, so anyway, here are our prop bets and here are our game picks for Browns Dolphins. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is time for prop bets. So Ashley is back with us. Douglas Maurice is joining us. Irie Harris is also joining us. So let's get to it. Ashley, you advertised this before we hit record. You said you had a prop bet for us. So get us going. I did. So I am currently looking at DraftKings, the weekly special that they have. And that to me is enticing. I had a great one. I wanted to take it last game, if you remember, Dan, and could not do it because they announced Jamar Chase wasn't playing immediately after I found it. But the one for this week is a combo, a parlay of Tyreek Hill over 125 receiving yards and Jalen Waddell over 100 receiving yards. And I do think this one is interesting because so far this season, I believe it has happened three times. If I did my math correctly for the Dolphins Um, in week two, you had Jalen Waddle with 171 receiving yards and Tyreek Hill with 190. Um, And then in week six, 
you had Jalen Waddle with 129 receiving yards and Tyreek Hill with 177. And then in week eight against the Lions, which was, of course, a great, great game for this offense, uh, Tyreek Hill with 188 and Jalen Waddle with 106. So it's happened not once, but three times, unless I'm missing a game. Um, I, I, I like this bet a lot. What's the payout? What's the payout? The odds on this one are plus plus eleven hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Eleven to one. That's pretty good. I, yeah. I love these I love these weekly specials, by the way. Yeah. I they're love fun. them. They're I, kind of fun. They're they're good discussion to talk about, honestly. So I'm gonna jump in because my thing was just Tyree Kill over his number, which is ninety and a half. So I'll just jump in on this. I mean, this is the thing, right? This is the whole thing. Can they slow down the Miami passing game? But Ashley, how much are you picking the Browns to lose by if you think this has a chance to hit? You know, I I don't know if I would take it. I just kind of really wanted to talk about it because I do think this is the crux of the game. Um, and may, basically because I am, my game pick is going to be a game time decision. Uh, but it's, this is why I think the Dolphins are so tough, which is why I wanted to talk about it, is because both of these guys have this ability to have 100-plus yard receiving games. And I said this when we talked, you know, did the portion of the pod, this pod where things to know. It's it's not just that they have vertical speed. It's that they are quick. They can get out in space. You can't afford to have missed tackles against them. I think there are ways to counter them, though, but it basically has nothing to do with stopping those two players themselves. It's, it's either figuring out a way to get to Tua and not letting him get the ball out so quickly or getting an early lead and possessing the ball themselves as, as the Browns. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's definitely interesting to me because I can see a world where this happens and I can see a world where the Browns kind of find a way to counter them that has nothing to do with that. Well, we're just going to stop Tyreek Hill because that's easier said than done, obviously. I have, I have trouble thinking the Browns will win this game and that this will hit. I, I'm kind of yeah. with Doug on this. I don't know if those two things can happen. Irie, what do you, what do you think of this one? What do I think of anything at this point? Um, no, I, I think that I agree when it comes to both players having the ability to just go off and stuff. And it is kind of tempting in a sense because well, I think if this was earlier in the season, if, if this was the Browns that we've seen, especially throughout the first few games, you know, we be saying yes, yes, yes on this because of how, you know, bad the past defense was. But now, and I think collectively, whether we like to, to admit or not, we're kind of somewhat feeling that there's a turn when it comes to this, this Browns defense so that maybe they could slow them down. And even if they do put up good numbers, stop that combo from happening. I'm kind of in the middle with this. So uh, the, the, the thing that I think is – we have to try to figure out a little bit. The last two weeks against Detroit and Chicago, Miami scored 31 and 35. But Detroit's defense in DVOA is 26th, and Chicago's defense in DVOA is 31st. So maybe both those teams are just really bad, and that was Tua and the Dolphins in this passing game at its best. The other thing you have to keep in mind is that they're undefeated when Tua is healthy the whole game. So like They're 6-3, and three, but they're 0-2 when he was hurt, and they lost the other game. When he went out in the middle of the second quarter. So like this passing game just fuels them and they throw in the middle of the field really well. And there's a stat that I am stealing. It's from a guy named Jacob Gibbs on Twitter, who is a fantasy football guy. 
He tweeted that the Browns use cover three at the seventh highest rate in the NFL. They're in cover three coverage 41% of the time. Tua has the highest passer rating in the NFL versus cover three. And Tyree Kill has the highest yards per route in the NFL versus cover three. So there is a matchup here for how the Browns like to defend the pass. And Tua and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell is eighth in that stat. They destroy that defense. So I think, and, and two is really good. Two is air yards over the middle of the field this year are extraordinary. So they're going to get guys on the move and they're going to let them go. And I know the Browns are fast, but like covering Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle doesn't just have about what your 40 time is. It helps. But I just don't know that the, that the Browns are geared for this. And so that actually, that's why I think this 11 to 1, that's, that's, it's a, it's a nice little gamble on this. Mine at Tyreek over 90 and a half. I'm not even sure. I, I don't know what the scenario is where he doesn't get that, right? I mean, it's, I think he's over 100 yards four or five games this year. Um, he's been going nuts lately. I'll tell you what, Dan, on the other side of this, if the Browns hold Tyree Kill under 90 and a half, I like the Browns' chances. So this is, this is, I like, this is the whole game, right? That actually started us off with the nut of the matter. And I, I think that's, a, I'd sprinkle something on that 11 to 1, actually, because I can see how it hits. Telling you, like I said, I, I love these every week. I look at this weekly special, mm-hmm. and uh, you guys probably at some point during this podcast heard me do uh, DraftKings read, and I, I mentioned the weekly special, and, it, and it's true, man. It's, a, it's fun. They're always fun. And Ashley had a good one a couple weeks ago that, unfortunately, Jamar Chase got hurt after she saw it. So I wish I could. It, it was matter. it was a J- Jamar Chase and I think T Higgins. I can't remember if it was T Higgins or Tyler Boyd now, but it was it was something very very similar with total receiving yards. So so Doug, you said yours is is Tyreek over 90 and a half. Yeah, just a straight up easy over under on that total. It just uh he has a chance to set the the single season receiving record. Like he is just having that kind of year and I just I don't know what the formula is uh, yes if Denzel Ward's healthy that helps but the last two weeks 143 and 188 he's gone over 100 yards uh in five of the nine games he was overnight so he's gone over 90 and a half in six of nine games and I just don't know that the Browns have the magic formula I think too will get the ball out of his hands and get the ball to him and let him go so I just I think it's a tough slog for the Browns to slow him down and whatever the formula is, they haven't found it. Uh, back at the season opener in 2021, 11 catches, 197 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, in the playoff game in 2020, well, technically in 2021, but the 2020 season, eight catches, 110 yards. And they've been talking so much about how they use him in motion. And Browns fans certainly remember that fourth down conversion that clinched that playoff game when Tyreek Hill was in motion and they couldn't keep up with him, and he ended up getting an easy easy first down conversion when Andy uh, Andy Reid rolled the dice there. So whatever the formula is, we haven't seen it from Joe Woods and company yet this year, or not this year, in, in, in his time as defensive coordinator. Irie, is there a world where the Browns actually do slow down this Tyree kill train? Oh. That's, that sounds like an answer to me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, I, I guess that was my, my answer right there alone. But I think I think the the other thing, though, is because you already have because you have two terrific wide receivers to worry about. You put all your attention on Tyreek Hill, 
then you got to worry about why don't you on the other end. And plus, I mean, we were in a locker room and stuff. I think you might have said said it too. You know, after uh, Denzel Ward spoke, it was a sense of, ah, oh, Ward, welcome back. Cover Tyreek Hill for us real quick, please. <laughs> so it's also just going to be the question of, is he ready to really come back? How is that going to translate on the field? Is it going to be a need for double coverage? Is that Tyreek going to, you know, on the other end, make Waddle, you know, allow Waddle to go off? So I would probably say no to that. Just off of the fact that you know this board, you know, is coming off of a concussion right now, and we don't know how he's looking right now. And we have to remember that three weeks ago, the Steelers held Miami to 16, forced them to punt five straight times in the middle of that game. They scored 13 of the 16 in the first half, and and they kind of they held Tyreek I think to 72 receiving yards and Waddle to 88. You know, there's I'm, I'm sure the Browns are watching some Steelers game film, but you know, I don't I just more often than not. They're going to get you again. The thing it it might be, I think there is room for they've destroyed two terrible defenses the past two weeks, and the Browns' defense isn't terrible. It's it's pretty lowly rated in DVOA. I think it's twenty fourth, um, so it's not that much higher than than Detroit and Chicago. But that's without Denzel, right? I mean, if they okay, will somehow be back. Like there's there's a version of this defense that you know, as Irene and you guys have been saying that we get the best version of what we've seen lately. So I don't know. Like, I, I don't think it's completely hopeless um, that I, I don't want to say Miami's not a fraud, but they might be at a peak right now because of who they've played the last two games. Ooh, I like this. I almost want to go down that road. Yeah. The, uh, the fraud. Well, I'll we, say we this. We have the picks section. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, that maybe there's a chance that the formula is just Patrick Mahomes was throwing Tyreek Hill the football when the Browns played them those two times. Now, obviously, that hasn't slowed Tyreek Hill down yet, but yeah, maybe it'll help against this Browns secondary that it's not Patrick Mahomes throwing the football to him. We'll see. Maybe they're the outlier. But, Doug, when you mentioned that 24th in DVOA, they have been trending up because there was a time when they their defense by DVOA, I believe, was only better than the Lions' defense. So they're going in the right direction as far as that's concerned. And I've been saying it over and over again this week. We're going to find out if this defense is fixed or not this week. This this is kind of the test. Did you just play really well against two opponents you know really well and one opponent that you dominate every time you play them? Or are you really trending in the right direction like you were uh, a season ago in, in those final, whatever it was, final month and a half, final two months uh, of the season when they looked like a top five defense? This is... This is the test right here, because I do think Tua will give you some opportunities as well to, to pick off the football. Why do you think that? Why do I think it, it'll be a good test for them? Why, why, why do you think Tua will give them opportunities to pick off the football? Because he does. So sometimes you watch him and you'll see opportunities there. You'll, you'll see guys, and, and I'm not a big fan of like the well, interceptable passes and all that. Every quarterback throws them. But I think he gives you some opportunities because he does try and fit the ball into windows. I think there are chances there. I mean, and two, I mean, I would agree with you, Dan, but mainly because of something you, I, and Mary Kay were talking about in that I don't know the Dolphins have had to account for somebody like Miles Garrett in these games where they've really like just kind of been rolling as an offense. I do think that he hasn't really faced like the kind of pressure that if the Browns are, you know, going at full strength and if Jadavian Clowney is able to kind of 
emerge this game and coming off the bye week, he doesn't really have these nagging injuries bothering him as much. There's some pressure, I think, that the Browns defense can create that, you know, I think that's if you're going to stop this passing game, it, it might not be, like I said before, it might not be, oh, yeah, stop Tyreek Hill. Like, no, you, you really can't do that because that's why he's Tyreek Hill. That's why he's leading the league in receiving yards. It might be by, I think there is an opening to kind of put that pressure on to uh, and create, you know, takeaways that way. And I think they're, they're going to need to do that, actually. Last, last three games since he's back from the concussion. Seven touchdowns, no picks. Last three games, seven touchdowns, no picks. For the season, for the season, 15 touchdowns, three picks. And two of those three picks were against Baltimore in the game where they came back and he threw for practically 500 yards and they had like the most amazing comeback in NFL history. So I'm not going to say that I've watched all the Dolphins games. Maybe he is getting lucky on some stuff. He had a pick. The last pick he had, the only other pick he had was like a, a weird deep ball. It was in the game where he got hurt against the Bengals. He threw like a jump ball, deep ball in a double coverage that Von Bell picked up. And it was like, kind of like, what are you doing? But I, you know, but also like if you throw a pick 45 yards downfield, it doesn't hurt you that much. It's kind of like a punt. So he's kind of been on it. And he's not Patrick Mahomes. Nobody's having that debate. But he's kind of on his game right now. And uh, I I think he'll get the ball out of his hands. And I, I don't know that they can count on him making a ton of mistakes on his own. Okay, Irie, you got one for us? Yes, I do. So going back to DraftKings, I am going to go for the passing yard. So we've been talking so much about pass defense with the Browns. Let's switch it over to Miami's side real quick. And uh, I'm going to choose right now with Jacoby Brissett. Right now uh, they haven't. Uh, <laughs> I can feel the warmth of, a, of an Irie prop bet about Jacoby Brissett <laughs> washing over me. This feels right. <laughs> What's my uh, nickname again, Doug? What do you call me when, when it pertains to Jacoby? Uh, Jacoby's best friend? I can't remember. I can't remember what so, it, it was something in that sort of best man or best friend. I forget, but somebody uh, needs to take the, the stepbrothers poster and put yes. Photoshop Irie on one guy and Jacoby on the other. I'll do it. I'll do it after <laughs> this. It's simple. We'll do it. But uh, right now, Jeff Keys, they have them at throw, uh, the number is 230 and a half passing yards over under, and I got him going over. As much as we talk about the Browns' pass defense, we're going on to the, Dol- to the Dolphins. Their pass defense is not much better. I mean, they're giving up the 10th highest uh, you know, amount of passing yards per game at nearly 246 exactly. I know that we've spoken about Brissett, and yes, that was the last thing he was on before. So there would be a sense of, oh, they know everything about him and his intangibles. Yet we've been, see- we've been able to see him exceed expectations within these offensive schemes that he can go out and be terrific on Sunday, uh, and even if he stops at 231, he'll be over that number. Jacoby, the last three weeks, 266, 258, 278. He was at 230 against the Chargers. I'm going to... 278 on the Super Bowl runner-ups. I just want to add, add that touch, you know, for Doug, you know. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. With with their, their best corner. Suffering Step a season-ending injury. Anyway, that brothers, the guy, a rookie starting for the first time in his life. But anyway, back to the <laughs> back to the best man speech at the wedding. I actually, this sort of pertains to mine, 
because I'm taking the under on this IRE, because I'm also taking the under on Jacoby Brissett 20 and a half pass completions. So if I'm taking the under on 20 and a half pass completions, which is going to be my prop bet, I've got to take the under on what was it, 230 and a half passing yards. I feel like this is a game where if the Browns are smart, if they really want to control this game, it's going to be about Kevin Stefanski saying, I want possession of the football. I'm going to run it against a team that can't stop the run. We're going to have, I don't know, 40 minutes time of possession. And there's going to be a stretch in this game where the Dolphins don't touch the ball for what feels like 45 minutes in real time. I I don't know. For some reason, I feel like that might be where this game is going. And I, I don't think this is a game where you want Jacoby Brissett slinging the ball all over the place because that just gives the Dolphins more opportunities. And I don't like that. So I'm taking the under on yours, Irie, and I'm taking the under on mine, which was 20 and a half Jacoby Brissett completions. I think Kevin Stefanski wants the under on both of yours. And I actually think if they go under on both, they have a better chance to win than if they go over on both. So I'm going to take the over on Irie because I think they're going to be behind the whole game and chucking it around, not effectively. So congratulations. Irie is like, yes, Kobe's going to be 17 for 41 for 281 yards in a three-touchdown loss. Woohoo! But I do think, Dan, I think your game script is right. That I, I don't think Kevin Stefanski wants to go down there and chuck it around. He wants to control the game on the ground and limit, you know, Jacoby having the opportunity. Like, the game script last game was perfect, right? And he did throw for more than 230. But, like, get ahead, hold on to it, don't force anything. But I just think that's hard. It'll be harder for them to execute that game script against Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. But I think you're right, Dan. I agree with you. Ashley, what do you think of these two? I am also going to take the under on both, but again, I'm just going to call the listeners back to, what was it, two segments ago, Dan, when we were telling you things to know about this matchup. And I 100% agree with what Mary Kay said in that I think, and and you said this too, Dan, not to to leave you out, (laughs) but it just feels like it's going to be a Nick Chubb game. It feels to me like we are do for a Nick Chubb game in a lot of ways because the last three games for Nick Chubb, 56 yards against the Patriots on 12 carries, 91 yards on 16 carries for Baltimore, 101 yards on 23 carries against Cincinnati. And I thought in Cincinnati, you know, we've been talking about this since that game. I thought offensively the Browns, you know, did a great job of kind of making sure or, or having the luxury because they had a lead of getting multiple different pieces involved, getting Amari Cooper involved, getting Donovan Peoples-Jones involved, uh, getting Nick Chubb involved. But I, I do just kind of have this feeling that, again, I think if you are going to try to contain these Dolphins receivers, it has to do with keeping the, them from having possession of the ball. Like, that's going to be your best defense is your time of possession on offense. But like Doug was saying, it for better and for worse on this Browns team right now, how they want to run things, their best drive is always their first scripted drive pretty much in any of these games. And in order to, you know, have the luxury of controlling that time of possession on the ground, you have to have an early lead. 
So I think it's going to be really important that they they do that. And but I, I just overall, I mean, I think you you need to rely on Nick Chubb as much as you can in this one because of the Dolphins' run defense as well. I can see two Kevin Stefanski scenarios in this. I, I could see a situation where they come out and they try to hit some things quick, and they do try to you know almost like what they did against Dallas in twenty twenty. Uh, there's but there's been a couple other games. You know, Tennessee, uh, I think that was in 2022, where they come out and they try to hit some things quick and then they try to possess the ball. Or I could see a situation, I referenced this in that first segment, um, like in Minnesota in 2021, when it was just, we're going to kill you in time of possession. And your offense is not going to be on the field because we're going to put together eight-minute drives and seven-minute drives. And and like I meant, maybe they're going to put together a six-minute drive at the end of the half and another six-minute drive at the beginning of the next half. And it's going to feel like Miami hasn't touched the football. And there's just, there's no momentum. There's no flow for the Dolphins. And I think that's something that Kevin Stefanski has been good at in his time as head coach of the Browns. When he's decided we're going to win the possession game and we're just going to hold the foot, not hold the football, but we're just going to possess the football. He's been pretty good at it. And that can kill a team's momentum when they're really powerful on offense. Here's what I will say to that. So much as I, and yes, I appreciate, you know, everyone's point here. I do just have to say this when it comes to uh, to Nick Chubb. This probably sounds Doug-esque, you know, especially with the whole, you know, getting out by them and everything of that sort. But I'm not, we've, how long have we been, deserve, you know, deserving of, pretty much it's been over-deserved regarding a Nick Chubb game, right? I'm not going to hold my breath with expecting him to, allowed Chubb to go off for 33 carries and stuff. I mean, it took five games between their second and third win of the season to realize what the magic that can happen when probably using Chubb and Hunt together. It's already been proven that he loves his passes and his offensive sets to the point where he had his wide receiver, Amari Cooper, throw a pass and uh, during the last game. So I just don't hold my breath really when it comes to him giving stronger emphasis on the run. Uh, I hope that I'm wrong on this because I would lo- love to see him actually use the time to his advantage and break down the defense with the run. But it's been proven over and over again that he just loves to pass. And I, I don't think that we should expect anything sh- uh, shorter of that, especially when, when uh, Deshaun Watson comes back. I just we're having a lot of conversations about what the, what the Browns want to do. I know what they want to do. I just don't think they'll be able to do it. Right? It's like, oh, let's come out and control the clock. It's like, great idea. I just, But Dan, I, I do think I'm looking at this Minnesota box score. I think that's an interesting comparison. 14 to 7 win. Minnesota scores a touchdown on its first drive, does nothing the rest of the game. Justin Jefferson, 6 for 84. Adam Thielen, 3 for 46. And they grind it out. It's, it is an interesting comparison point, Dan. So that is, that is a good thing to have in your head, I think. And, and we all went into that game thinking this is going to be a shootout. These two teams are just going to go back and forth. And, the only the key difference is Minnesota was also willing to sort of play that possession game, and Miami's not going to do that. Miami's not going to hand the ball off and, and lean on their running back. They're they're going to try and score quick whenever they have the football. So maybe this feels a little more like Kansas City um, when you had to kind of just go there and know you had to outscore the Chiefs. But I just there's something about this that makes me feel like this could be a possession game for the Browns. All right, we're going to let Lance Riceland come in and tell us all about the Miami Dolphins, his scouting report. And then we're going to make our picks. Mary Kay sent me her pick. So you'll get to hear that. But first, 
Lance Reisland tells us all about the Dolphins. Lance, how are you? Good, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well. Okay, let's get to it. Look, the guy we got to start with, right, is Tyree Kill. When you watch Tyree Kill, we know how fast he is, but I'm fascinated by all the other things he does really well. What makes him one of the best receivers in football? Well, you call it the, the initial thing is it's speed. There's no question. He's he's at a different speed than everybody else in the NFL. Not only is he track fast, but he play he's football fast. So he he combines them both. So he's uh, he's next level fast. And you have to appreciate that when you're covering him. And, and you got to have help over the top. Uh, he runs a full route tree. Um, I think what's made him really scary is I think Tua is starting to he's starting to get it a little bit. So that makes him very good. Um, he's very good. You know, I watched every completion from Tua a number of times, and he's very good at those over-unders. Uh, they attack the middle of the field very well uh, very well with, like, digs and slants uh, and some over-under outs. So I think what makes him scary, obviously, is the speed. But he can he can run the whole route tree. Uh, he can also run those bubble screens, uh, jet sweeps. Uh, he's a touch guy. He's a, a, uh, he's a guy that, w- with the ball in his hands, he's really, really scary. I think one of the other things too, and I remember this from his Kansas City days too. Even with you know Patrick Mahomes, who's got the biggest arm ever, you know if he's underthrown or whatever for some reason, his ability to track the football and just come back and get it is really difficult for safeties and corners to have to deal with. Well, he's got incredible ball skills. So he his ability to go up and get he plays a lot taller than he is. Uh, he's not very tall, but he plays a lot taller. He's got a, he jumps very well. Uh, he times his jumps very well. Uh, and what ends up happening, if you watch a lot of the film, especially during the last couple of years, is that he runs by people and then the ball is underthrown. And that's when you get those pass interference calls uh, a lot because uh, he slows down defenders in, in, a, in a panic mode to try to catch up. Um, and that happens a lot. And then, he, like you said, he can you, you can use him in the red zone. He can go get the ball. He's so he's he's a uh, special talent. He's a unique talent for sure. What is Tua doing so well this year? Well, you know, early on I did a, a report on them when uh, they were playing the Bengals, and early on they were a lot of RPOs. And, and what RPOs, in my opinion, it's a one read. You're reading if your linebacker's coming, it's a, our safety. It's a one read kind of throw. Uh, they've kind of progressed into true dropbacks and more play action. Um, so I think he's done a really good job of progressing um, in terms of going from the RPOs. Now they're running the full route tree. They're running combination routes, high lows. Uh, they're running the levels concept off play action. Uh, so I think it's it's the ability to do multiple things now. They were so heavy RPO early, and, and now they're they're true drop back uh, a true drop back team. So tell me about some of the other guys on offense. Obviously, there's Jalen Waddle, but tell me about the other guys that they have on that offensive side, not named Tyree Kill. Well, obviously, like you said, they have Waddle. Waddle had five for eighty five. Another guy that runs he's lightning fast. Uh, again, runs the full route tree. Um, I don't think he's as good deep as Tyreek Hill, but that's kind of irrelevant. He's really good deep. He's just not uh, Tyreek level. Uh, I really like Mike Gusecki. I like that tight end. He's versatile. They use him in the run game. Uh, he's good on the underneath routes. Uh, Tua has also become very efficient in checking the ball down, um, which is kind of something that he didn't do early on. So Gusecki gives him kind of that uh, that security blanket on a check down. Uh, I like their backs. I like Wilson. I like that Mostart. I like Mostart at, when he was at the 49ers. They both run really well. Um, they don't run it very much. Those two are very good out of the backfield. Um, but yeah, they're they're uh, they're fast. Their entire they they kind of rely on their speed. So everybody they have in their skill positions runs very well. So for the Browns, what is the key to slowing this down? We know that they have fast guys in the secondary, but does it kind of come down to Miles and, and Jadavion being disruptive? Is that where it starts? 
Well, yeah, and they got to get interior pressure too. They got to have pressure up the middle for sure. Um, then they have to keep it in front, either with Tampa two or just a two shell, and make them be patient. Um, teams have gone away from that. It's kind of similar with the uh, Cincinnati. You got to you got to keep them in front. Uh, they also do a really good job of those middle routes and. The NFL, a lot of teams, a lot of colleges as well, they run like a, a, a cover one lurk or a cover one robber where that that safety, Delpit or Johnson, they're going to drop kind of in the middle and take away some of those digs, uh, those middle routes, those 5, 10 to 20. Uh, so I think that can be a good option too because that's where they do a lot of their damage is in that slot uh, over top of the linebackers in that area. They're very, very good at it. So they got to keep it in front. Um, those guys have to pass rush. The interior guys have to pass rush. Uh, they don't like to help a lot. Uh, again, they're not a team that likes to chip, so they're going to put those. Uh, they're going to put that Armstead and that um, shell, those two tackles, by themselves a lot. Uh, and the Browns have to create really, really good pressure. Okay, so on the other side of the ball, what can the Browns do against this Dolphins defense? Well, the Dolphins are a true odd front, and they are their guys inside are ginormous. Their their nose tackles. Um, uh, Davis and Jenkins. Uh, Davis is six 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 three fifty five, and Jenkins is six four three forty, and they're both true. Uh, along with um, the rest of those D tackles in the nose, they're all big guys, and they all are true two gappers. They're not trying to pass rush at all. They're the defensive tackles I like. They're defensive tackles that I think the Browns would be very beneficial. They're not doing much. They're trying to extend and play on the line of scrimmage. Then they got Chubb, and I really like Jalen Phillips off the edge. So they're and what it does in that odd front, it creates one on ones for those guys. Uh, their two best players, I think, on defense are their two linebackers. Um, they both run very well. Um, they both cover a lot of ground. They're both covered, so they get to run free uh, because usually all five linemen are covered. So they do a really good job of uh, running to the ball. I think their secondary is um, is okay. Uh, I think they're beatable. I think, you know, Howard, a couple of those guys that have uh, have been beaten. So uh, it's a true odd front. It's not a super physical front. Um, and it's a front that I think the Browns can have success with running the ball. Okay. I want to ask you about one other guy. You texted me about him earlier today. And uh, maybe this is something we can get into a little bit more next week too. But uh, you spent some time watching Ethan Pochich at center. And obviously he was the guy that was not slated to have that job. It was going to be Nick Harris's job. Harris gets hurt uh, early in the Jacksonville game. It's been postage ever since, and he's making a pretty strong impression on you, it sounds like. Yeah, you know, you you get into a lot of film study. A lot of people ask me a question about the guards, and rightfully so. Those two guards, Batonio and Teller, are fantastic. But as you watch uh, Pozik, he is fantastic. He is really, really good in terms of what the Browns do. Uh, he allows those guards to get to the second level. He can reach the, the three technique uh, on their zone plays. Uh, he blocks back very well on their gap schemes. Uh, he gets out in front in their pin and pull. Uh, he does a really good job of running the show. Offense, he's the quarterback of the offensive line, so he's kind of directing traffic in the pass game and pass protection. Uh, he does a great job of picking up stunts, gaining depth. Uh, I've been extremely impressed with him uh, as a football player. He's playing at a really he's playing at a, as high a level as the guards are. Okay, uh, that is Lance Reisland, his scouting report on the Dolphins. Of course, you can read Lance's work at cleveland.com slash Browns and regularly contributes here to this podcast. We'll get him back on our uh, Wednesday schedule here with the Browns off the bye week. Uh, so we will talk to him again then. Uh, we're going to take a break on the other side. We're going to make our picks for the game. But first, of course, I've, I almost forgot. I almost let you off the hook. <laughs> Lance, I've got to ask you for your pick. Well, my pick is, you know, I actually wrote it down today, but... I, I like the Browns um, 
convincingly this week. And a lot of people are like, what? Uh, again, I like matchups. So uh, the lack of physicality um, up front on both sides of the ball from the Dolphins is going to allow the Browns to shorten the game. They're going to run. I think they're going to run the ball and they're going to keep it away from that offense. Um, the Dolphins don't run the ball. And when they run the ball, they run a split zone uh, and they do some pin and pull a little bit edge runs with some toss sweeps, but they don't do much else. And they're trying to set everything up for that pass game. And that's a match that the Browns um, have the advantage. So I, I got the Browns 38-21. All right. Sounds good. Lance, appreciate the time. As always, Dan, thanks for having me. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our big Browns-Dolphins preview show. The time has come to make our picks for Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium. Again, I'm still just... I'm floored that Hard Rock has all this money just throw around for stadium naming rights. I'm, I can't believe it in 2022 that they're out there just naming stadiums. But here we are. I have Mary Kay's pick. Should I make people wait for that? What do you guys think? Should we save Mary Kay's pick for last? Yes. Should we like? Should we throw in like yeah. an extra commercial break before yes. Mary Kay's pick? Do it. I love it. She's the only person on this podcast that anybody actually wants to hear from. So yes, yeah, save her until the bitter end. All right, all right. We'll say Mary Kay's pick. I should have had her like record. I should have her do like a cameo. Of yeah, there's one thousand percent. It should be like a cameo <laughs> or or something. Subscriber hey. only. Hey guys, it's Mary Kay. I just want to say happy birthday, and this is my pick for the Browns Dolphins game. <laughs> all right, <laughs> let's get to it. Browns Dolphins Sunday one o'clock Hard Rock Stadium. I do want to ask this. Because I look at everything about Tua Tangavailoa, his PFF grade, his stats on football outsiders, his just regular counting stats, his QBR, his rating. This guy is like top of the league across the board, first, second, like everywhere. How real, how much do all of you believe in Tua? I'm just curious. We don't have to spend hours and hours on this, obviously, but I... I'm just curious because I'm for whatever reason, I'm still a little bit like cynical, but when you, the stats are overwhelming, Doug, there's one reason, there's one reason reason you're cynical. It's because he's left-handed and it looks weird. Have you ever seen the thing where they come like the mirror image and you, if he's right-handed, you're like, Oh, that looks normal. I like him now. You're anti-lefty. Dan. way to go. Wow. I can't believe you're like that. There's a lot of left-handed people in the world. I throw left-handed, Dan. How dare you? I'm not sure I can be part of this podcast with your anti-left-handed stance. So listen, I think they're using them the right way. Like, do I believe in him? I don't know. Do I believe in like him in this offense with what they're asking him to do? I think yes. He's undefeated in games that he finishes. He's 6-0. and But again, I think the question is, DBOA, the six defenses he's beaten, New England, five. Baltimore, 13. Baltimore 15, I think. Buffalo 4. So three pretty good defenses. And the last three, Pittsburgh 20, Detroit 26, Chicago 31. So again, maybe he's just beating up at defenses. But I think I just think it's a good marriage now. Well, Doug, I'm going to push back on your accusations because my mom is left-handed. Oh. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, I... Left-handed. Mary Kay is left. I sit next to a left-hander every yes, single day. And to a left-hander. By the way, when I was growing up, partially because my mom was oh. left-handed, I was actually ambidextrous. Wow. And then I broke my thumb on my left hand, 
and had to have it in a cast. So I just kind of stopped writing with my left hand. And so now I'm right-handed. So I think I'm actually like a left-hander in spirit. So I'm allowed to say these things about left-handers. You are a left. Yeah. There's a left-hander inside of you trying to break out. <laughs> you are a left. There's a left-hander inside of you trying to break out, Dan. Wow, that was really that was a really good left-handed therapy session. I think we should continue this with somebody. Maybe you could talk to someone in human resources about their left-handed. Yeah. But it no, would have I made like our normal righty. But I will say it would make our seating situation a lot more easy because like, you know, especially on Sundays when I sit next to Mary Kay, we're bumping into each other because I'm right handed and she's left handed. Like we just would have another left hander to go along the line and and give us all more space. It would be great. I I can't sit here and be accused of these things. All right, let's make picks. (laughs) Wait, Uh, I I wanted to say something. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we were you, you forgot where we were in this conversation because of this left-handed <laughs> tangent. Um, I'm rattled. So the funny thing, as we were talking, I was thinking about something Amari Cooper said today, which they obviously those two did not play together at Alabama. But somebody asked him, you know, obviously has some familiarity. He follows his former college team. Um, and somebody said, What's the biggest difference, you know, that you've seen in two over the years? And, and, you know, in Miami's first couple seasons versus now, and he laughed and said the receivers, which of course the receiver is going to say the receivers, but I do think Tua is real with these receivers right now. If you gave him some different receivers and he didn't have two of the currently top five receivers in the league, I don't know. But again, I think the thing is, it makes it a lot easier. You know, we know how much they they throw over the middle and things like that. It's a lot easier to do that when you have guys who are this good at picking up yards after the catch. So, yes, like a, a lot of what two is doing has been really good this year, but it definitely helps. And I think it helps with your development when you have Tyreek Hill to throw the ball to every week. Yeah, that, that I mean, look, even Patrick, that helps Patrick Mahomes to have Tyreek Hill. But sure. you know, also Patrick Mahomes is, as I think we all expect, to proven he's still the best quarterback in football this year, even without <laughs> Tyreek Hill. Okay, let's make picks uh, for this football game on DraftKings as we're making these picks on Thursday night. Uh, the Dolphins are favored by three and a half points. The total on this game is 49 and a half. So not like a shootout total but that's still a pretty that's a pretty healthy number 49 and a half points uh for the total here so let's have Irigo first you're gonna just point it at me buddy all right all right i you like that out you sat out the two a conversation that's a fact that's a fact all right uh i'm gonna take browns in this i'm doing it i'm gonna start off right and good and wonderful and on Jacoby Brissett-esque fire, uh, that was pretty bad, I know. I'm going to take Browns 25 and Dolphins 23. Uh, not exactly the full high-scoring game, but just well enough within time of possession and scoring enough to outscore the Dolphins. They'll be able to handle Miami Dolphins within their drives and uh, keep them from being the dynamic office that they usually are and keep it within the 20s. All right, so I retakes the Browns and the under, just under on that one. Ashley, what do you think? I'm going to take the Browns in this game. Um, And maybe they are going to make me regret it. But what I will say, if they're 
is a reason that I am slightly optimistic. I do kind of agree with something that Joe Woods pointed out today, which is the last two times we've seen this defense, you you know, we said against Baltimore, it felt like the lights were starting to come on in that game. Against Cincinnati, we know how well they match up with the Bengals. But they executed two very different game plans against two very different offenses. Um, And I think because of how well they match up with the Bengals and, you know, stopping that passing game the way they did. And, yes, the Bengals didn't have Jamar Chase. But, obviously, the Cincinnati has three guys they can go off at any time. And it's a little different when you're talking about the number one and number five guy, I think, in the league um, compared to what the Bengals have. But I do think I'm, I'm somewhat optimistic about this defense. I... I just think it's going to be a Nick Chubb kind of game. I think maybe they won't be able to stop Tyreek Hill, but the Browns will just kind of be able to get out to an early lead and control the time of possession. And like you said, Dan, I mean, I could see a world where they do a really good job of that and get out to a lead. And this game maybe doesn't look what we thought it was going to look like given their passing attack, just because they don't have the ball long enough to do it. So I'm going to pick the Browns and I will go... 20, no, you know what? I'm going to go 31 to 31, 24. Wait, no, no, never mind. No, no, I take that back. I take that back. I was just trying to think. Uh, Not 31, 20, 20, no. No, I didn't, Doug. I'm making it up on the fly here, and I realized that didn't make sense. So I'm going to go 26 to 24. Let's go. Stay in the 20s. Let's go. 26-24, but that is the over. If yeah. I, uh, if I did my math correctly yeah. there. Dang it. Well, yeah. I, know, I did realize I did not want this to get in the 30s because I do think it's going to kind of be not not the shootout, you know, that we're yeah. expecting. This is not a, a, a shootout type, type of team. We do not want that. Okay. Well, I don't. I don't really I don't care. So I'm... Listen, I've I've had a little bit of an existential crisis picking games this year, and yeah, I've it. yes, a- I'm realizing I'm awful at picking games. But I've sort of like, you know, sometimes you get this feeling every week, like I don't like this game. Right? It happened in the Falcons game. I'm like, I don't, I don't like this game for and the Browns. It you happened in the Jets that, game right? too Actually, a little bit. Yeah, the yeah. Falcons and the and the Jets. You know, we kind of talked about it then. Like something there's sometimes you just get a feeling. Just, just, yeah, I had a feeling the Falcons they could win that game. And then the Patriots week, I'm sort of the the same deal. I'm like, ah, but I got to pick the Browns this yeah. week for whatever reason. And, I mean, you said it against the Chargers too, which that you know the Chargers won, but it wasn't an easy win for them. I I just feel good about the Browns for some reason this week. And maybe it's because of a blatant refusal to believe in the Dolphins. And it uh, it's probably going to cost me dearly. And there's, I don't know if there's a good reason to not believe in the Dolphins. Maybe it's just some preconceived notion. Maybe it's my anti-left-hander stance. I don't know what it is, but I just have trouble believing in this team. They were down 35-14 to the Ravens. After three quarters. Now, yes, they came back and won that game. Do we believe in them because of that? I don't know. The Bills ran 92 offensive plays against them. And it was just such a wonky game. And somehow the Dolphins won that game. 
So is it just like, yeah, well, they know how to win. Or is it maybe they're not quite as good as we think they are? Now, the Browns aren't as good as the Bills, and the Browns aren't as good as the Ravens. There's that, too. I, I'm i going to stick with my, my thought that this will be a lower-scoring game than people expect, and I think that will favor the Browns. So, for whatever reason, I've just had a feeling the Browns are going to win this week. And so I'm going to take the Browns, and I'm going to take them 21-17. to 17. Low-scoring game. Doug? Yeah, I'm taking the Dolphins. I, I can't. This is too much Browns. This is like, I, I think it's a bad matchup. I think it's a bad matchup. Now, there's a thing, there's a chart that was out on Twitter this week. It's about NFL luck. An analytics person kind of went through different things that they attribute, so like recovered fumbles and some like mixed, missed extra points and that kind of thing. In this luck chart, the Dolphins are, have the 10th best luck this season, and the Browns are 29th. Like the Browns are unlucky. Things have not gone their way by this definition. So then, you know, maybe there's a little bit of that, right? Maybe things even out a little bit. Maybe, Dan, that's what you're talking about. Man, like the, the Dolphins have sort of found a way to win, and the Browns all season have found a way to lose. But I was pretty confident in picking the Browns against the Bengals because I thought it was a good matchup for the Browns because history has told us that. I think this is a bad matchup for the Browns. I, I just think these receivers, even though the Browns secondary, they have good secondary guys, just the, the way they're going to cover – Throwing over the middle of the field. I don't think Tua's going to hold on to the ball to let Miles Garrett get to him. And I think the Dolphins will get ahead, and the Browns are bad when they're behind. So this idea of like, hey, hand off the ball to Nick Chubb, and you have the clock, is like, great. What if it's 14 to nothing eight minutes in, which I think it might be. So I think it's going to be a bad script. I think it's a bad matchup in a lot of ways. And I'm taking the Dolphins 31-17. I do like the under. So I'm bumping up against the total at 49 and a half, but I wanted to make sure I stayed on the under because Dan, I also do think the thing that you're kind of talking about, of it's not going to be the shootout maybe that people think 49 and a half feels high to me. So, um, you know, the Browns, the Browns have to keep it in the twenties as you guys are picking to have a shot, but I just think they're going to be behind and chasing and that is not their formula. So I think it's an easy Miami win. I see, and I—that's the thing too. I—I I hate that so many of us have picked the Browns. I always hate the, um, you know, fade the public is always usually a good, a good barometer. Um, I, can we say we're not the public though? Can I at least hide behind that? <laughs> oh, the public doesn't want us. The public would not claim us. We are not the public. <laughs> we are not accepted. All right, really, everyone has been hitting that fast forward button just to get to this. Mary Kay Cabot's Browns Dolphins pick. Again, this is what I was saying. She is picking the Browns 27 to 23. A lot of Browns, a lot of Browns picks this week. I don't have Hayden's pick for the week, but I'm guessing he's probably going to pick the Browns because Hayden always picks the Browns. He's not going to listen to this. So we can say whatever we want about Hayden if we want right now. He's not going to hear it. I heard he's left handed. (laughs) Can tell. That's why I'm always giving him the side eye. So I just want to say, I just want to say real quick. Miami's at home and they're the better team. Are those two things both true? Do you guys think the Dolphins are better than the Browns? There's just something else at play here because sometimes the better team loses. Or do you think that the three and five Cleveland Browns are better than the six and three Miami Dolphins? I I am as cynical of this Browns team as anybody, I think. I don't know if definitively 
the Dolphins are a better team. Now, Tua is a better quarterback than Jacoby. That's undisputable. Tyreek Hill is the best receiver on the field, but Amari Cooper's not that far behind. You know, he's obviously a different type of receiver. All right, well, no. Amari's a top 10 receiver, though, right? Yeah, but the gap between, like, top three and 10th is, I think, pretty best. But Amari can make plays. Okay, Nick Chubb is the best running back. The offensive line favors the Browns. Mm-hmm. The Browns have a, in theory, the Browns have a better defense. They haven't played like it all year, but right. in theory. The in-theory defense of the, of the Cleveland Browns. They make a t-shirt of that. In theory... Our defense is good. It's all on paper, you know. Yeah, let's 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 switch it up from the comparisons to this. What are you showing? Oh, oh boy, he did it! He did it! He photoshopped himself and Jacoby and the stepbrothers picture. That's great. So, really quick, I realized, you know, before the pod, when I was figuring out my my prop bet, I was like, "There's something that's good pod father fodder that I'm not, you know." going to bring up. I'm going to save it for the pot. And of course, I forgot when I did my bet. So anyways, when I was you know going through the numbers, I looked at pro football reference to figure out how many times have Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill hit this over here. Um, and it reminded me of something on pro football reference that always makes me laugh, which is the nickname feature. And on Tyreek Hill's, it lists on every player's page, and they do this on pro basketball reference too. On every player's page, it List their nicknames. So for Tyreek Hill, it says Cheetah or Ty Freak. And I want to know, has anyone ever heard anyone in the world called Tyreek Hill Ty Freak? I literally Googled it. And the only thing that comes up is the pro football reference page. Like, where did they get it from? That's what I want to know. So we'll have to incorporate that if he goes off or something, because I've never heard that ever. Listen, listen, Doug, there's a world where I'm sitting in that press box on Sunday and Jalen Waddle is doing that little Waddle dance to put the yeah. Dolphins up by 21 points. And I'm like, what was I thinking on that podcast? I, there is, I, like I said, existential crisis here, picking games. I'm just, I'm all over the place. Do you know, I think like some of the problem for us in particular might be like we get, we can or watch one thing, right? And you and I both watch those Dolphins games. And I think I said about that Waddle dance, we might see that five times next week if we're unlucky. Like we might have to watch that five times. But I do think it's like you get into the building and you kind of, you start to rationalize and we get into the interviews and you're like, oh yeah, you know what? Like Amari Cooper does make a great point. It is about the receivers. Like how can they, um, you know, counter that and and things like that. It's like you almost get sucked in a little bit and we're, we're oversaturated in the Browns and like what we think the game plan is going to look like. And then a lot of times when we're wrong, it's like the game plan just doesn't look like what we, what we thought it was going to look like, I think. And, and that's why it makes it so hard to predict. Mary Kay's not here, so I can say this. This is kind of a must win. <laughs> Backs to the wall. This will determine uh, how they play their performance like in November. They win this. They have. A, they can likely finish November, maybe with a winning record. If not, be beware for like an zero three record in November if they don't win on, on Sunday. I'm All just, right. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. Step brothers. Uh, well, yeah, because they're 
Oh, the Dolphins is traded for Bradley Chubb, too. The Dolphins are all in trying to win the Super Bowl this year. By the way, we didn't mention that. You guys mentioned Bradley Chubb, how they got better? Okay, good. We didn't mention it in the picks when you all picked the Browns. I just wanted to mention Bradley Chubb, the guy that they didn't take instead of Denzel Ward, which was right. So anyway, only his second game. He's got to get up to get up to speed, you know. Oh, got to get the speed on Jacoby Brissett. I think he'll be okay. <laughs> Not Nick Chubb. <laughs> All right, there we go. Our big Browns Dolphins preview pod. Uh, thanks to Armando Salguero for joining us earlier to talk about the Dolphins. Thanks to Lance Ryson for his full scouting report. Uh, of course, Mary Kay was on earlier. Um, for Ashley, Irie, and Doug, I am Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.